Hi, I'm Terrence Skullstra. I'm the planter at the table in downtown Thorold. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nails marked in his hands, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was there with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put them in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not yet recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I heard this great story a couple years ago, and it goes like this. There once was a king who offered a prize to the artist who can paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all the pictures, but there were only two that really caught his eye. One picture was of a beautiful, peaceful city. The city was perfectly calm with peaceful, tall buildings in the background. Overhead was a perfect blue sky with cotton ball clouds. All who looked on the picture thought it was the perfect picture of peace. The other picture had tall buildings too, but these were tired and rugged. 
Above was an angry sky, which rain fell and lightning crashed. The streets between the buildings tumbled in foam with traffic and pedestrians. This did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked, he saw tucked away in an alley a young mum sitting under her umbrella. There in the midst of the wet, rusty buildings and angry cars, she sat calmly with her three children. The king chose the second picture. The kingdom was in shock. On the day he awarded the prize, he declared, I chose this painting because peace does not mean there is no noise, trouble, fear, or pain. He continued, Peace means to be in the midst of all of these things and still have calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. There's this amazing story in the Bible where Jesus appears to his disciples after his death and resurrection and offers perfect peace in the midst of the mania of life. Picture this. It's nightfall. The disciples are gathered in a house with the doors locked for, for fear. They're, they're crippled with fear. For the last few weeks, the religious leaders have launched a full-scale search to capture and to kill their friend Jesus. In recent days, the disciples have been questioned about their association with a wanted man. Just three nights ago, Jesus was arrested and tried in court, which led to his bloody and brutal crucifixion on a cross. The streets outside the homes where the disciples stayed tumbled and foamed with authorities who wanted to arrest them and maybe even see them killed. This was not a peaceful situation. Yet fearing for their lives may have been the least of their worries. Think of it. Jesus Christ had just been crucified and had risen from the dead. He was risen from the dead. But his disciples had all deserted him. They ran away when Jesus needed him most. Even the leader of the pack, Peter, had just denied him three times. The disciples may have felt like they betrayed God himself when they ran out on him. And now word was getting out that Jesus was out and about and raised from the dead. What would Jesus do to them? How would he deal with their sins and their mistakes and their failures? Their, their hearts and minds must have been swirling with fear and anxiety. In every way, the disciples were a wreck. In the middle of the tidal wave of fear, Jesus appears in the room. The resurrected Jesus, God himself, shows himself to his disciples. And Jesus says to his what Jesus says to his disciples might surprise you. Pay attention to this. Jesus, pay attention how Jesus responds because it illustrates how God responds to us, how He responds to our brokenness and our mistakes, to our failures. As we read the story, it turns out that Jesus is not angry at all. He didn't search out his friends to rain blows of punishment on them. Not at all. He searches them out in love. The text says, Jesus came and stood among the disciples and said, Peace be with you. He greets them with peace and shalom. And then verse 20 says, The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I believe in that moment that the disciples were only half filled with joy and peace. 
They must have still had nagging fears, for, fearing for their lives or uneasiness deep in their hearts. Luke twenty four twenty seven says that they were still struck with fear even after Jesus said peace. So Jesus says to them again, peace be with you. And this time Jesus does something which is one of the most beautiful things in all of Scripture. He breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. What happens in that moment when Jesus breathes on his disciples? Well, this scene in our text actually recalls Genesis 2, verse 7, in the beginning when God created the heaven and earth. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, When the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Did you catch that? When God breathed into Adam's nostril, he became a living being. Adam became a living being. In the same way, when Jesus breathes the power of the Holy Spirit on his disciples, they become new living beings who have the indwelling presence of the resurrected Jesus in their lives. It's like Jesus blows the dust and cobwebs out of their heart. He gently blows out the flame of fear and doubt and gives them, he gives them the spirit of eternal life. The gift of forgiveness. The gift of peace. Now here is something important for us to know. Listen to this. When God breathed into Adam's nostrils, all humanity had life from that point forward. In the exact same way, when Jesus breathes his spirit onto his disciples, he breathes new life in his indwelling presence into all of those who place their faith in Christ. Today, this day, do you live as though you have the life of God in you? I'm, I'm convinced that as Christians, we simply forget or don't understand what, what it means to live with the peace and presence of Christ living inside of us. So, how do we have the assurance that we have the indwelling presence of Christ in our bodies? If you're exploring faith, if you're not a Christian, if you're exploring the things of God, you can simply invite the peace of Jesus into your heart. You can do it right now. Just pray to invite the peace of God into who you are. And God will change you. God will transform your life. If you're a Christian, you already have the life of Christ in you. Jesus breathes his spirit on all believers. There's this old document called the Belgic Confession in Article 11. It says that as believers, we're, we're called to believe and confess with all of our hearts that the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, lives in all all of us. So today, in this moment, we live as people of peace. We live as people who have the power of the resurrected Jesus in us. Jesus gives us the keys to, to unlock all of our pain, our fear, our doubt. He gives us 
the resurrected life. You know, there, there's this beautiful verse in John 14, verse 19 that wonderfully illustrates what happens when Jesus breathes his, his spirit on his disciples when he says, because I have life, you also live. Beautiful, beautiful words. Because I live, you also have life. Galatians 5, 16 in the Bible says, when we receive the gift of Christ, our lives are animated and motivated by God's Spirit. There, there's one theologian who said, all of us who have received Christ and His Spirit are in a sense merged together, merged together with God. So we are filled with the peace of God by Christ's very presence in our hearts, mind, body, and spirit. You know, another way to put it is, in the same way that Jesus, being very God, entered into the flesh of humanity, so too has the power of the resurrected Jesus entered into our human estate in such a way that His divinity and our human nature are mutually connected and growing together every day. You know, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples who was there when Jesus breathed on him, he later wrote in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, he, he calls this breathing, uh, Jesus breathing on him, our participation in the divine nature whereby his divine power gives everything we need for a holy life. It's so beautiful, isn't it? it it's, it's so important for us to note as we're thinking about this that that having the indwelling presence of jesus and his spirit in us does not mean that there is this hostile takeover in our bodies so god just doesn't take us over rather we we have the free will to daily invite the the beautiful indwelling presence of god in our lives you know, Lloyd Ogilvie practically describes what they look like. I, I love this. Listen to this. He says, when the Spirit breathes on us and we live according to the Spirit, it means as we live our lives, when we set our heart in the direction of what we know to be God's heart in a matter and begin to model our behaviors in that direction, the Spirit within us immediately reinforces our finite strength with infinite strength. He continues, he writes, the synthesis is so smooth, the synthesis, it's, so it's working together, is so smooth, it is sometimes impossible to tell where our strength ends and his begins, end quote. In other words, the art of the Christian life is yielding to the spirit of the resurrected Christ at work in us to the point where we can't tell the difference between where God ends and where we begin. You know, to illustrate what happens when Jesus gives us his indwelling peace and presence, I'm reminded of a story in my own life. Uh, when I did night school studying mechanical technology at Mohawk College in my 20s, in the first two years of my program, I had this instructor by the name of Paul Prock. He was this really energetic and passionate guy who always had this big, huge smile on his face. In the, in the first two years of the program, me and my friend would show up to Paul Proc's class after hanging out at the bar together. Uh, several years earlier, I had walked away from the church and I wanted to live my own life. And, and when I showed up for class with Paul Proc, my rebellion showed. 
My friend and I had terrible grades. I was almost flunking out of the course. We always disrupted the class because we we thought we were funny. I don't know what it was. I I was really arrogant in that class because I I already had a job in the trades and some of the other students didn't. And and I was only doing school to, to get a raise at work. I made myself out to be this guy who had it all together. I made it seem like to my friends, I was this guy who had it all together with a great job and a perfect life. And for some reason, my, my friends at school latched onto me. But, but Paul Proc, he, he seen through me. Uh, he was this really patient guy who put up with my stuff. And, and he would catch me in the hallway whenever he could. And he, he would encourage me and say that I could do better. Now, I would just brush him off. In the fall of the third year, I, I was in a car accident, so I delayed my enrollment of the following year back to Mohawk. And after that car accident, God met me where I was, and I got saved. It was a transformative time in my life where God convicted me of my sin, brokenness, and pride. I, I broke down and, and gave my life to Christ. When I came back to Mohawk, after missing one year, Paul Proc was still teaching. He was still there. As a reborn Christian at school, I I had always time for class. I was always on time. Something had changed in me. So now I sat quietly in class, in the middle of my new classmates, and, and focused on what my teacher was teaching. I would raise my hand if Paul Proc had a question and I started making real friends. Now listen to this. It, it, was, in, it was about one or two weeks after I, I, when I went back that third year when I was walking down the hall and there was this familiar voice that called out behind me. The voice said, hey, hey, who are you? I turned around and it was Paul Proc. He had this big smile on my face, and I'll, I'll never forget what he said. He said, hey, hey, what happened to you? I don't even recognize you. You've changed so much. He said, you used to be this big pain in my class and, and flunked out. And now it's like you're a new person. There's this peace in your life. <laughs> what happened? Oh, the, the simple answer is Jesus. After the resurrection, when Jesus breathes his spirit into his disciples, he gives them new life in the same way Jesus gives us new life when we place our faith in him. He gives us new life, the gift of salvation, grace, peace, and eternal life. And it changes everything about who we are. People won't recognize us for who we were in the past. It changes everything about how we act and how we live. It changes how we engage our community. And as I close this message, I want to share this. And it's directly connected with Jesus breathing out his spirit on his disciples. And it's in our text. So after Jesus breathes his spirit, there is this phrase that says, As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Because we have his presence and peace, we are sent to radiate that peace into our community. 
as we go as sent people as we go as sent people we're called to be people of peace who have the knowledge and assurance that the resurrected Christ lives in us so as we go from here I, I want to leave you with three practical challenges as you go and live live out your life what yeah, it's important to note that, of course, all each one of these practical application pieces all flows from the reality that we have Christ, the fullness of Christ in us. So here's a practical challenge. Number one, think about what it means to have the fullness of God in your life in relation to our body language. Our body language. I, I had this mentor who used to say that everything about the way we walk and move should express that we are filled with the peace of God. You know, if it's true that 70% of communication is nonverbal, nonverbal, then our body language should express that we are filled with peace, with the peace of Christ. I want to ask you, in this challenging time in the world, are you running around frantically? Are you living in panic? Are you a panic merchant? I mean, it's okay. It's okay for it to be challenging, but but think about what it means to be a person of peace in this time. We're called to embody peace with our postures, our body language, the way we move, our hands, the way we walk, our facial expressions on Zoom. We're called to be people of peace. So that's challenge number one. Challenge number two is share words of peace. Share words of peace. Every word that falls off the tip of our tongue should be peace. Should flow from the fullness of God in us. With our family, with our friends, our challenging work situations, this challenging situation that's going on in the world. This is a tough one for me. It's a tough one to, to speak words of peace, not sarcasm, anger, or complaining. We speak as though we have the mouth of God. We bring peace. Call someone this week. Be Christ in this challenging time with words. And third is actions. And it's nuanced from, from body language. It's actions. And all our actions serve others as though we were the literal hands and feet of Jesus. As we go, my prayer is, is that you would know the fullness of Christ and that it would change everything about you. I, I know that this, this passage has been challenging me to think about what it means for the fullness of Christ to flow in and out of me. Can I, can I pray together for us? Uh, God, let's pray. God, we're just so thankful for your word and the way that it speaks to us. And we're just so grateful for the way that you breathe your spirit into all of us. And God, as we go and live on mission for you, even in this challenging time, we pray that we'd be people of peace. God, just transform our heart. Pull down barriers of identity and, and um, the, these, this conception that in some way we need to form our own image like I did when I was in college. Instead, shape us and help us to realize that we are called to represent you, not our own ego or our own image or this this uh, this life that we propped up for ourselves. God, we just pray that you would work on us 
fill us and give us the assurance that we have fullness of your resurrected life in us, God. God, we just pray that you would be with us and watch over us in every way. And pray all this in Jesus' name as we look forward to complete and future glory with you. In Jesus' name, amen.